afternoon and welcome to Love Unlocks. I'm Heinz Winkler and we have this program to share stories with you of amazing people and how God's love has unlocked their lives and even better, how God's love through their lives is unlocking other people's lives. And the reason I showed that video to you today is because our guest today is Pastor Peter D, or some people will call him Pastor uh, Peter Reynolds. I, I know him as Peter D, because uh, he's also a radio DJ, and we like, we like joking around with each other's names. But uh, I wanted to show you what, is, what the ministry side of Peter D's life is like, and I, I couldn't think of a better way than to show you that video. Um, and I would love for you to, to give a big round of applause wherever you are to our amazing guest, Pastor Peter D, all the way from, where are you today? You're in so many different places. You're no, coming? I'm in Belleville. You're in, in Belleville. Belleville. Okay. Yeah, no. All right. We're, we're, we're local. We're hunkering down in, a, in local places. Yeah. So great. Well, thanks for joining us, uh, Peter. I really appreciate it. And you know, as I said, this is the show where we talk about how God's love unlocks yeah. lives. And uh, there's, there's few people that, that I know that, uh, that uh, whose life shows it so well like yours and how you keep sharing that love of God with other people. So I, I'm just, I want to honor you and thank you up front for taking time to, to, to chat to us. I really appreciate it. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to, to get to know, to, to get other people to get to know you better today. <laughs> uh, Peter has a, a radio program on WRFM in Cirrus. And uh, that's one of the things that he does. Uh, and I've been on many interviews with him on that radio show and radio station. Uh, and it's been amazing. So today we have I've, the, the shoes are on the other foot. I'm doing the interview with, uh, with part of, uh, Pastor Peter here. So I'm so excited about this. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if you're nervous at all, bro, but I'm sure you've done other interviews before. Hey? <laughs> I have. Big urge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, I, I was saying to Sonia early on that um, it's a strange feeling to have the shoe on the other foot. <laughs> uh, you and I, you, you've been on the other end of the line with me. Um, but I did. I gave it a lot of thought. And it was, a, it was a different feeling. Just say it's different. Yeah. But great to be here, Heinz. Thank you so much for the invite, man. Of course. And that video, gosh, uh, what a wonderful surprise. Good memories. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't actually believe that it's it's a few years back by now. Three uh, years ago, sir. I think it's three, time, three. I think it's time we yeah. we need to do that again. We do indeed. Yes, sure. we will. Okay, sounds good. All right. Well, this this program is about getting to know the guest and and getting to hear the, the stories of how God's love has impacted your life. Uh, and to that effect, I always like to ask a, a few personal questions about your family. So please tell us a bit more about you and your wife and your children. How, well, let's start with your wife. How did you guys meet? And was it a love at first sight thing? Was it a friendship? Uh, how long did it take before you popped the question? Tell us a little it's bit amazing. more. It's well, amazing. Look, I knew you were going to ask that because I've looked at your other guests as well. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> Giving it away. Yeah, you should have muted that story. Man. Um it's a crazy story. Um, back in the day, I was in matric. We were at the same high school, the Settlers High School in Belleville. Uh, and I was in matric. I was a prefect. And my wife was then in sixth grade eight in today's terms. Oh, wow. Um, they knew me, you know, because I was this prefect walking around 
staring, especially at the standard sixes. You, you know what it's like. <laughs> and it's so funny because when, by the time I got to matric, I was saved, and she was in the full gospel church. And every time they had a crusade, they would get together in the quad and they would dare each other to come and give me an invite because their church had told them to hand out invites. Okay, okay. And so they would pluck up the courage because apparently I was this very stern prefect. Very unsafe. And, and so one, <laughs> one day she ran up to me, gave me an invite and ran away again. Oh. Um, and I didn't even know them, you know, we didn't uh, notice each other. Yeah. Well, noticed me. Then years later, which I'll tell you in my salvation story, I was with the full gospel church and became youth leader here in Babel. Okay. And she was a member of the youth. And we got, we, I got to know her obviously through youth, but again, there was, uh, there was this four, four and a half year age gap. And you know, back when, when you were 20, you know, four and a half years, a big age gap. Yeah, still. Yeah. But now it's nothing. Yeah, nothing. <laughs> and then one day we were having a, a youth event in Brackenfell and I'd gone inside the person's house to fetch something and I walked out and Sonia was sitting kind of on the stoop with her three friends and as i came out the door god said to me there's your future wife wow i almost stopped in my tracks sure and i well first of all you know thanks lord that's very cool because um i happen to think she was quite a good looking lady and but i got there literally and from behind god said that's your future wife sure so i knew it first that's amazing um, I can't remember how we got dating from them. But what I do know is that when I started showing interest, she was totally amazed because she had these recollections of the prefect from high school and what was the youth leader doing interested in her. <laughs> but from there, this wonderful relationship developed and I couldn't have had a better person at my side for all that I do and that we've done through the years. Um, it was a perfect match, literally. Wow. Uh, one hole joined another hole and became a hole together, which I think how marriage should be. Amen. Wow. Yeah, so that, that's how it happened. It bro. sounds like you listen to our marriage seminar as well, because that's that's <laughs> what we teach there. But I mean, obviously, you know how it should be. I love it. But yeah, I do watch some of it. It's, it's, it's good stuff. Love Key is a good thing. Let me just say that while I'm live. Guys, listen to Love Key. Oh, shame. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And uh, if, if you can think of one word that comes to mind when you think of your wife what is that word diligent In focused okay uh sure yeah diligent focused um perfect i, I don't know if you if it's wrong to say perfection but <laughs> and you know she is because she's an account she's a financial director yeah and, and you know her she showed all these characters back when she was still growing up as a bookkeeper she loved to reconcile accounts. And the more irreconcilable an account was, I couldn't think of any more boring. I mean, you know. Yeah. But she would love these big challenges. Uh, cash books that no one else had been able to reconcile was like, was her thing, man. Wow. And it's still, it's still her thing. And she, she's a good puzzle builder, but I, so I guess that shows. What an amazing thing. <laughs> it's like, it's a Ooh. way, my, my, I'm so glad God gave me a wife that likes spreadsheets because I, I can't. I can't do spreadsheets and and finances. I, you, I struggled. I struggled through accounting in high school. Like I still don't really understand debit and credit. But my my wife loves it. She loves it when it makes sense and when it's all together. And I'm like, 
Thank you, Jesus. I needed a wife like that. <laughs> Amen to that. So good. <laughs> Boy, I identify with that. <laughs> it sounds like it. The other thing that I really appreciate about your marriage is, I mean, I can't even count how many times I've heard you say, uh, you know, I was spending time with God and I felt the Holy Spirit lead me to do this. And when I when I came out of my room, my wife came up to me and said, listen, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said this ex- and said something. And then it's the exact same thing that you experience yeah. in your quiet time. I mean, that is just awesome. Um, did that just sort of spontaneously happen throughout your relationship? Or was it always like that? Is it something you're intentional about? Because I think that's a great space for a marriage to be in. We're not intentional about it. It's, I think, um, I'm this person that always has these big ideas. You know, I'm a bit like uh, my eldest boy has, has sort of also got this uh, just rush in. I, I'm a groundbreaker. I am. I'm not a good farmer. I'm a groundbreaker. <laughs> I'm breaking new ground and, and planting new seed. And when the first field has come up, I'll hand it over to the farmer to go and farm. So you're the visionary. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And my wife is very much a brilliant farmer. She is incredible. She'll once I've planted, she'll say, "Okay, move on now. Um, <laughs> let me take over here and, and let me get a yield out of it." Okay, okay. So we pray at things from different directions, and I often get these big ideas. And just sometimes when I think, "Well, how am I going to convince my wife that we need to do this?" Yeah, she'll come out of the blue and say, "I think this or this and this is a good idea." Wow. And so God gels it together. It's brilliant. I love it that. Is. That's uh, that's how the partnership of marriage should be. Hey, it's so powerful. I love that. Yeah. And you've got kids. Tell us about them. Yeah. And uh, if a word pops to mind for for each of them as well. Yeah, my kids. Let me get this right. The one is uh, thirty-five, and the other one thirty-two. Thereabout. Okay. If I remember correct. <laughs> uh, if I think of Darren. I think of the word caring comes to mind. Beautiful. He's a very caring person. And if I think of my eldest boy, Darwin, the word now comes to mind. And when I say now is that I don't want to use the word impatience because uh, that's not a cool <laughs> word. But he is. You know, he wants everything now. And he doesn't understand why he's going to wait for anything. Yeah. As I said, he's a bit like his dad when it comes to that. Um, so there you go. Caring and, and active. I think that he's like the action figure. Okay. I but love it. Those are the two words that come to mind. So good. Two beautiful boys, actually wonderful, wonderful guys. Love them very much. Ah, oh, awesome, man. So you you have a you have like three big jobs that I know about. You 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 run a company that does skills development and training. Yeah. And you, from what I understand, run a radio station. I'm sure you have a team, WRFM, and you're a DJ yeah. there. Yeah. And then you've got ground level ministries. So you've you're a businessman. You're a radio DJ and you're a, a pastor and a minister. And I think you're a pastor of pastors. Like you you have this network of pastors that you disciple. Yeah. How, like, bro, how do you do it all? Uh, one word, Heinz, and, and I need to quickly say this before I say out this word out loud. This is a non-arrogant and I'm using this word in its true sense. And that's the word leadership. Mm. Uh, 20 years ago, I had this encounter with Dr. John Maxwell and joined his leadership club. And of course, I had already had a national company at the time, and we had just started ministering. And the true leadership principles really hit me and became part of my life sure. to the point where I actually it became a product of the company. Mm. 
uh, in our corporate life. And I spent many years teaching leadership along with entrepreneurial skills and, and business management. But at one stage of my life, I taught leadership as one of our products. And it took me all over the country. And the, the true heart of a leader, and, and jo Dr. John says it beautifully, he says the true responsibility of a leader is to raise up other leaders. And I've since added to that, and I'm saying the true characteristic and motivation of a leader, a, a true leader will want to raise up other leaders. It's not a hassle for him. And so it becomes a natural progression. Yeah. The same as I believe a true Christian wants to spread the gospel and raise up other believers and other Christians. And so I learned a long time to, to get good teams around me. And it's a building process. It doesn't happen straight away. I'm sure. Sometimes, sometimes you put a team together and then you know, they don't quite gel. And you, so you work at it. And I've been working at leadership for a long time. But I do. I have great teams around me and great leaders under me. And a bit like John says, I've got I've developed leaders who are now actually developing leaders. So I've got wow. this lineage of leaders going on. So good. Um, I also have a cycle store, by the way. Just something you didn't uh, a cycle store. Yeah, we. we oh my goodness! Uh, well, it makes sense since you have that amazing event that hopefully will take place next year again. The, the Cape Duo, yeah. <laughs> where yeah. guys are on mountain bikes and road bikes. That's such a cool idea. Okay. It's, very unique, yeah. Wow. So, Completely. so I have to ask, with with all these things that you do, and uh, have to organize, you, you know, you you run from the one hat, wearing the one hat to the other hat, uh, and you have to prepare sermons. And you, I mean, I'm sure at some point, sometimes things don't go as as well as you would like them to go, or you may have some embarrassing moments. <laughs> can you can you recall? Uh, yeah. Can you recall a, a fun story that we can, you know, enjoy with you? Oh, gosh. I've got a couple, you know. <laughs> uh, if I go back, seeing as I mentioned leadership, I go back to my leadership career. And by the way, the way to change hats is just to take God with you wherever you go. Uh, that, that's that's like the that. secret. I like yeah, that. Just okay. take him with you. Then it's just the outer case that changes. So good. Um, during the peak of my leadership career, we were doing this pitch to a big national company. I won't mention the name, but they one of our large corporates in South Africa. And we had done a pilot project. And so the management team, the senior executive team, then invited me to do a presentation to their board. And so we got into this very plush boardroom and I had all my presentation sorted and I handed out the presentation packs. And they had this wonderful big whiteboard. And of course, being a natural teacher, uh, Peter D loves a whiteboard, man. Although I've got I've got a doctor's handwriting, but I love, I love a whiteboard. <laughs> and so I started doing my presentation. The CEO, the chairman of the board, was there. And I remember I'm talking about a large national company, and I did this huge presentation on the board. And they all nodded knowingly, and they were got all excited. And I said, "Now let me show you what's coming next." And I tried to wipe the board. Dot dot dot. And then looked at the pen that it was in my hand and I'd taken a, my whole bunch of permanent markers with me instead of my whiteboard markers. Oh, no. And in this amazing boardroom, I'd written the entire, and I mean, I'm talking about one of the big whiteboards. I'd written it full of permanent <laughs> markers. Which does <laughs> not never, wipe off. <laughs> no, they were, and let me just, whoever it was, they were good markers, man, because we, could, we couldn't get it off. Oh. They had to go and get a solvent from downstairs um, and try. and. But luckily, it turned into a fun moment. Okay. But, yeah, 
one. A few times, of course, I've, I've gone into, I think when I first got involved with uh, Living with Christian Centre in Sirius, they are also under our covering now as one of our churches. But when I first got there, okay. um, I also was going to, I was handing out notes for some reason, I guess because I'm a teacher. And I handed out these notes and I said, okay, guys, now let's get into some word and some teaching. I've given you the scriptures and let's have a look at the first scripture. And I read the scripture and they all looked at me like I was daft. And I had printed the completely different set of notes for them. And there I was referring to the notes. Um, <laughs> and no, so the same page was virtually impossible. Oh, man. Yeah, but <laughs> but sure. I'm sure every, every preacher's got some funny stories like that. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. No, listen, I, when, when it, it feels like the blood starts draining from your face and you're like, Oh, you've been there. How, how did that happen? <laughs> like, oh, I'm a, so, so many times. I can tell oh, you many gosh. stories. <laughs> yeah. Many stories of things going wrong. But uh, anyway, but I, I love that. I love that. And But every time you got into those situations, it's because you were busy doing something you love. And I think, you know, then you can handle pretty much anything. And the, the more things can go a little bit wrong or not exactly as you want them to go, the more you learn how to handle them in the moment. So, yeah. You do. Yeah, luckily that time in the boardroom, I knew, I knew my subject very well. Okay. So I was able to improvise and keep talking while they quickly cleaned the boardroom. <laughs> but you're right. You know, you, you, you get to you get to continue just and that big word in my life, the word passion. Passion kicks in. Yeah. And passion takes over. And if you're not passionate about something, I'm a very passionate person. I, I, uh, I can't do anything less than 100%. And what you just said that right there, it's what I love about you. You know, you're so passionate about what you do. Um, you, you throw yourself fully into it. So, yeah, it, it does. It takes you through, Heinz. It does. Yeah. I, uh, on that note, uh, I find it, I don't know if you found this, but people sometimes will tell you, Almost like they're surprised that, wow, you're so passionate about what you're doing. And then I go, yes, why else would I do it? <laughs> but, and then you realize, then you realize, okay, maybe the norm is not to do what you're passionate about. And that's why so many people may be stuck or unhappy or depressed because they're not actually doing what they're most passionate about. Uh, I, I remember, sorry, my mind's going in a different direction now, but no, I, rem I remember being on a plane the one day. It was just a couple of years after Idols, but it was still fairly fresh in people's minds. And there was this um, older gentleman and his wife, and they looked very, uh, you know, classically dressed, smartly dressed is a better word, elegant, uh, definitely, you know, wealthy people. And uh, I remember actually being surprised that they were like not in business class, you know. <laughs> they looked like they should be in business class. Yeah. But anyway, so at one point, the, the gentleman turns around and, and he says to me, so have you finished your law studies? And I said to him, no, sir. I, I decided, you know, music is what I'm supposed to be doing. And he looked so horrified, you know, oh. that I, but how can you not have anything to fall back on? You know, <laughs> and I said to him, oh, and I said to him you know what, if, if I plan my life uh, to, according to having a, a fallback plan, then I'm probably don't have the right plan to begin with or the right direction. And he didn't like that either. <laughs> and then his wife, his wife was kind of like, <laughs> but I just, I had many conversations like that with people. And, and, and I just realized a lot of people don't understand they, they're more practical and they, they see themselves as more practical and chasing security rather than 
then significance and calling. And, and I think that's, that's maybe the difference, you know, when, when I, I can totally connect with the way you think, the way you, you dr- you're driven, you're focused, and it's all about other people. It's all about raising up. It's all about changing the atmosphere around you. And, and that's, yeah, I, I love that about you, bro. It's so encouraging and inspiring. Well done, man. Well, you know, the whole fallback thing, it's something that, that I, t- I teach quite often. If we want to rely on a fallback plan, you, you're, you're leaving an anchor behind you. If you totally believe in what you're doing, yeah. why would you ever believe you want to fall back? And if you are following the master, um, you won't fall back. I think of Abraham. You know, Did Abraham have a, have a fallback plan? Yeah. Well, not according to, to Hebrews. And if you look at from Genesis 12 and onwards, and the book of Hebrews says, says it nicely, well, Abraham went not knowing where he was going. Mm. And, and I think, you know, the rest says itself. It's got to do with faith. Yeah. Absolutely. So good. Bro, you've, you've lived quite a bit of life. You, uh, <laughs> you're doing so many things. Do you still have a big life dream or life goal that you'd like to achieve at this stage of your life? Um, many people ask me that question. I'm guessing for the same reason. Uh, yes, I do. And I believe that as long as you are in the will of God and as long as you're connected to the master and to and to heaven, you know, if you're connected to his plan for your life, things that you want to do and, and goals and aspirations flow automatically. He's such a big God. Mm. and He has so much in store for us. You know, no wonder the Apostle Paul said, what your eye has never seen and what you've never entered into your imagination this God has planned for you. Sure. And even though he, we might have these goals and plans, um, I think he smiles sometimes because he doesn't want us to stop having those plans. Um, yes, I do. And just one of them is having a really good long tour of Israel. Uh, I mean, I don't want to rush. Oh, I want to wow. take a long time. Uh, I do. I, I feel uh, that's one of my goals right now. Sure. But also developing developing the pastors that, that, and the men of God and women of God that God has connected with us um, and it's gone over the border it's gone international that they, they just looked at our our page our, our teaching page and connected with the ministry page so good and they just I didn't go out and do it purposely they just came and said we we want to we want to be part of what you're doing we want to be part of your covering and will you keep on teaching us and that's a big goal with mine at the moment to the, 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 there's a fatherless generation Heinz so I'm sure. kind of going to go from casual to serious now yeah um, there's so many men of God out there who have a genuine calling. Yeah. The, the tears of the week do still apply. There are those that, of course, who for some reason they believe if they wear the right suit and the right shoes, um, they all of a sudden have a call on their life. And I'm, forgive me for being <laughs> sarcastic. They do. You know, they've got the Crockett and Jones two-tone and the white yeah. suit. But there are others that have a genuine calling and they haven't had the privilege as, as I had. I mean, I've had so much privilege of going to full-time Bible school in Pretoria when I was called, coming back, doing many online courses, having great teachers in my life. And so they're out there with a genuine calling, but they need instruction. Yeah. And so many of them say to me, um, I need a father. Yeah. And that's so touching. That is really so touching. Sure. Um, now and there's a fatherless generation out there. And it's, it's, it's interesting because I've, I've had many conversations with you about, you know, general fatherlessness in our society, but I haven't yeah. actually I haven't actually considered 
the fatherlessness of leaders within the church even. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, Paul Paul wrote about it. He said, you have many teachers, but few fathers. Few fathers, yeah. And uh, no. maybe we still have have that problem. So, yeah. How, how can, if there's a pastor maybe listening right now that has the same sort of sense of, listen, I need a father in my life, how can they connect with you guys and, and be part of that sort of training and, and uh, I, I guess, enclosure of, of, of help? Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a family. It's a network of family, and the more, the better. Einstein can go and look at our Ground Level Ministry page um, on Facebook and connect with me on Messenger or just simply send uh, a message to hope at glm.org.za. Awesome. It's such a simple address. Just hope at GLM. The, the um, link, sorry. Send me a messenger. Yeah. The link to their website is also in this post. So you can just go there, scroll down and click on it and, and also get more information. Uh, that's just thought I'd throw it in there. I'm going to say it at the end again. But uh, Yeah, and they can just say, I want to connect. That's all it is. That's all they need to say. Great. From there, yeah. Awesome. Bro, I'd love to know your getting to know Jesus story, your, your first encounter with, as you say, the master. I like the way you say that. Um, what, how, where did your story, your life with Jesus begin, and how did it, how did you get into ministry from there? Well, okay, uh, how much time do I have? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, how much, do you, how much do you need? <laughs> I grew up in a traditional church, in one of the traditional. In fact, it was an Anglican church where we got solid, we got solid Sunday school. We learned the Bible stories, but I never really knew the gospel at all. Sure. Um, born in a little town of Queenstown in the Eastern Cape, they had a short stint in East London, and then we moved to Natal. We went, we stayed in the little town of Kloof, or Kloof as they call it in in Natal. And a friend of mine, uh, Alan Field, little the, those chicks comic tracks had just come out, and, and I see they're still around. And he was from the Assemblies of God, and he was handing these things out at school. And I read this little comic track, this, this Was Your Life. And I remember being impacted on that, but I never really acted upon it. Um, then when I was 15, my folks who were previous Cape Tonians decided to move back to Cape Town. And my brother was in matric. My, my sister was a teacher's training college. And there I was in grade nine, the old standard seven. And I had to uproot myself. I mean, how dare they? <laughs> leave, all, leave all my friends and come to this unknown territory alone in Cape Town. Sure. And so I got to Cape Town and I became really rebellious and uh, a typical unsaved, uh, un undignified, unsaved young man. Uh, it was drugs and sex and rock and roll for me at that point, and I think my life sure. should have gone anywhere. But we had to go to church, and I'm so glad my mother said that to us and that we had a youth organization I don't know what else to call it a youth group and our youth was getting together and playing badminton in those days um, ducking behind the church hall for a skillum cigarette and impressing impressing the ladies I mean we, we were not a spiritual youth group at all we were just a bunch <laughs> of young men we all rode 50cc motorcycles in those days nice. the, the great age of the 50cc Yeah. and then my cousin who was a wonderfully born again Methodist said to me one day, oh, come, let, let's get our youth groups to get together. And I thought it was a great idea because I wanted to hook her up with one of my friends. You see, I was going to play Cupid. <laughs> and so we waited this particular Friday for them to arrive. And they said they were going to lead the meeting. 
and we had set up the badminton net, of course, waiting for a typical unspiritual meeting. Yeah. And they started arriving. They gathered outside in the parking lot, and we didn't know what they were doing. And then with the guitars, they started singing, and they walked into our church hall happy. I mean, this is the first time I'd seen anyone genuinely happy. Wow. And singing all these Christian songs and choruses. And they came in, and they just blew us away completely. I mean, sure. my, my jaw dropped. Wow. And then their leader gave his testimony and just spoke to us. And when he'd finished, he didn't really make an altar call, but they started mingling. And he called me first because I was like the leader. And he said, Peter, do you know the Lord Jesus? And I said, yes, I've just been confirmed. He said, no, <laughs> have you received Jesus I've into your heart? I've just been confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. you know, he started explaining it to me and there I was I mean I was first team rugby first team cricket athletics I was, I was a typical young teenage boy South African boy of those days and the Holy Spirit just started moving and as he was sharing the gospel tears started streaming down my eyes wow and for the first time I felt the Spirit of God and sure. he led me in the sinner's prayer and I mean I got radically saved Heinz um I was truly born again, mm. uh, totally. And so all those seeds that I guess that Alan Field and those wonderful comic tracks had sowed into my life wow. came to fruition. And you know, one man sows, another man waters, and I'm sure other people had testified to me in my life. Yeah. And I got born again. Sure. Started reading the Word. And in fact, got my call to ministry in that same church uh, in Durban Road, Belleville. I got my call to ministry there. I don't wow. know if you'd like me to to just continue. Yeah, please, please. Love to hear it. So being thoroughly born again, started reading the word and uh, this whole issue of baptism started coming up. Mm. And of course, I couldn't tell my parents it was not the right thing to do at that time, uh, just because it was unheard of. A friend of mine was with the full gospel in Belleville and I started asking him because I knew they, they did baptism. And he said, oh, we're having a baptism meeting this Sunday. Why don't you come have a look? So I didn't tell anyone. Got on all of my own, went on my motorcycle, went to, went to the church meeting, and they made a, a call. At the, he taught on baptism and then made a call. And I went. He said, if you want to be baptized, very fiery, one of those fiery Pentecostal preachers. Yeah, yeah. Baptized now, tonight's the night. And, <laughs> but I was convicted, you know, and I went for it. Standing in the baptism line, uh, I got completely filled with the Holy Spirit. I had a Holy yeah. Spirit baptism. Wow. And I was again, you know, a rugby player, athletics, cricket. And I started shivering and shaking. I didn't know what was going on. The preacher walked up to me and hit me on the back and said, that's the Holy Ghost, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, feel it. Uh, he was. He was a Holy Ghost preacher. Bless him. Love it. Anyway, so I got baptized. I got completely in trouble with my Anglican parents. And wow, I can imagine. And But I, I continued going to the Anglican church. And then one service, our, our minister, our priest as they call him, was not there. And a, a visiting minister came from Cales River. And his name was Scotty Reed. He, he reminded me of the typical Robin Hood friar tuck. You know, he was large okay. and built. Okay. And always wore a black robe with a little white rope. That was it. That was him. Wow. But he was a gospel preacher and he preached on Romans 10. Wow. 8 and 9, you know, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. And then he went on to Romans 13 and we, it goes on to say in 13, 14, and 15, how can they call on 
him or who they've not heard? And how can they believe in someone who they don't know about? And how shall they ever hear sure. if nobody preaches? Sure. And I, it started echoing in my ears, literally. Mm. My mom, you know, this is an Anglican church. You, you sit still in these churches. You don't do anything. And I don't know, I must have been wriggling and squiggling for some reason, but she nudged me and said, what's the matter with you? Sit still. Yeah. And so it was obviously so impactful after the service. I said to her, I think God wants me to be a priest. Because I, those words, how shall I hear without a preacher? How shall I, literally echoed in my in my ears. Yeah. So he said, go, well, go and speak to you know, Scotty Reed. Go and speak to Father, Father Reed. So I went to him straight away and I said, listen, um, this happened to me while you were reading that scripture. And bless his heart, man. You know, this is a guy who obviously understood the call in Heinz because he said to me, he said, son, you have a call of God in your life. Mm. He said, and whatever happens, you follow that call wherever it takes you. Wow. Um, so that was it, you know. Uh, Holy Spirit filled back into the Anglican Church, got called, and was then then I left and I became a, a full-time member at Full Gospel. I then I took his advice. I followed where I believed I should go. And eventually went to their Bible school in Pretoria, in Irene. How old were you when you moved over to the Full Gospel Church? Um, then I was in matric, so it must have been 17 or 18 years old. I got saved at 16. All right. Was it, oh, it was about a year, two years later that how, I moved up. How did that move go over with your parents? Or by that time, was not, it not well? No, okay. not well. Sure. No, not well. Um, wow. My brother, in fact, was at the same university you went to. And God bless him. I mean, Stewie, my book might actually be listening right now um, from America. Okay, uh, told, cool. I told him this was going to happen. Hello, Stewie. He was at Marty's at the moment. Yeah, at yeah. The time. He, he was studying be, to become a gym teacher, you know, so athletics he was pumping weights and anyway so when i decided to leave he completely flipped picked me up you know pushed me against the wall and hit my head on the wall and said what are you doing you're breaking up the family wow um but i was a radical pentecostal at that time i started rejoicing and saying oh yay i'm being persecuted for <laughs> <laughs> literally it was so funny i love that <laughs> attitude that's brilliant <laughs> but they you know Bless their hearts. My parents got wonderfully saved. Stewie got wonderfully saved. Uh, he is, was also in mission ministry. Wow. Um, so praise, yeah, God. praise God for that. Sure. It all, all turned out typical of with Jesus. It always ends well. Can I uh, can I just ask you on that on that note because I think that mm. um, they know, I think especially in the time I grew up as well. Um, that there was that tension. I had the same kind of difficult conversations with yeah. with my parents, and um, growing up in a more traditional church, seeing after getting saved as a sixteen-year-old, just starting to go, this can't be it. You know, this can't yeah. be the this can't. There's no. I don't yeah. see the life. I don't see the moving of the Holy Spirit. The, the Bible speaks about power and authority, but I don't see it. You know, and yeah. and then you start asking these questions. You know, if someone uh, listening is, is maybe in a, in a similar situation, how, how do you navigate the call of God to, to make a move to a life-giving church or church family while at the same time honoring your parents? You know, how, how do you, what would your advice be on navigating that? Very quickly, sacrificial love. Um, love will conquer everything. And so whatever you do, do it. Uh, from a, from an empathy point of view and from a point of love, 
No one ever got uh, beaten with a baseball bat into the kingdom. You know, no one ever got smacked into heaven. Yeah. We got loved into heaven. Yeah. And if you, know, you believe people are going to come around, love them and do whatever you do. Follow your heart, but honor the word. And if you operate in love, it will always come out on top. Sure. And know that if you, I mean, as John so often says in his letters, if you operate in love, it will work out. Um, you're, going to, you're going to have a hard time, perhaps. Um, I know, Heinz, you probably had a hard time too. Yeah. But, you know, this, when they start to see the, the, the sacrificial, never-ending love, and you put love first, it'll, it'll break the ground for you. It's your best icebreaker. Love will take you where you need to go. Wow. He is love. That's why. It's him. So good. Yeah and, yeah, and I think, you know, we've had a conversation about this a few times, about the tension between what I, what I call cultural Christianity and reborn Christianity. and, and Because the, there is a tension between the two. Um, and there's, I think it has different, different ways that it presents itself. Uh, but you f I think you find it in, in all kinds of different cultures. I, I grew up Dutch Reformed Afrikaans, and that has a certain version of that where you know it's almost like this this idea was created of who god is and how he works and how, and then you make it part of your culture and you worship your culture but not really god and the true god of the bible because yeah. there's certain pages in certain verses that you kind of conveniently don't read that one you know but yeah. we'll we read this one <laughs> yeah. and uh, um what would you say to that? Uh, how, how can we make sure that we don't fall in that trap uh, of be making it a cultural thing, but always staying true to the Word of God? Heinz, it goes way back, right to the very beginning. The same demonic forces that were around uh, in the days of of Jesus and the, the, the early church, the, the new spiritual church, those demons are still there. Have you noticed that uh, Christianity the true believers, the body of Christ, is the only religion that is dissected into a million parts. And that's because he knows he's got to keep us apart. Uh, believe me, when Jesus yeah. was in the garden, when he was in the garden in John 17, sweating and praying drops of blood, the one theme that he prayed at, you know, directly five times and indirectly seven times was, Father, make them one, make them one, make them one. Sure. And so he comes and he dissects that. Now, the reason I'm putting that as a back, backdrop is we used to believe, as us born-again, spiritual believers, we used to believe that, oh, it was always the traditional denominations that were kind of dead and, and frack, you know, and that everybody else was alive. But those same demonic forces are busy penetrating the body of Christ right now. Yeah. We can be very, let's be very careful that we don't fall into this comfort Christianity because it can become very much a religion sure. as well. You know, the one thing that we, it's a fine line, Heinz, and I know you, you do this and you see this very often. You, you visit church by church by church. There's a fine line be, between doing church and following and worshiping God in the true sense. Yeah. The modern church has become so good at doing church. Yeah. Um, but we need to do God. We need to do Jesus. We need to do His Spirit. We, we need to still be led. Mm. There's nothing wrong with excellence. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, my my home church, which I'm, I know everybody knows very well, it's the Bay Family Christian Church, and I honour my dad 
Apostle Alan Bagg, you know, I bless him, he had a big impact in my life. But he's a very, he's very excellent at what he does, and yet he still maintains the moving of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So I think let's be careful. Uh, following the Holy Spirit and his leading, let's not become comfort Christians. Uh, and I think Auntie Joyce Meyer puts it very well. Uh, just listen to Joyce. She'll keep you real. She <laughs> <laughs> will. She'll keep it real for you. That's good. Yeah, I think there's always a danger. As soon as you start uh, seeing the the worshiping of a man of God or the, minis- well, the ministry s- or the ministry yeah. setup, you know, if that becomes more important, um, then you know you're, you're you know red light should be going off and saying, okay, yeah. let's just get back to what this is really about. Um, yeah, amen. I've I've been in church spaces where people would rebuke me if I don't refer to the, the, the leader by his title. And then I go, why is that so important? You just yeah. said Jesus without a title, but your pastor needs to get be an apostle. What is that? You know? <laughs> and then you start realizing there's these little things that come in. Because we love culture. We, we, I think as human beings, we tend to want to have yes, a little... Thing and and I think in in principle there's nothing wrong with that you know my my ho- my home with my family has a culture we have a micro culture and then within yeah. our group of friends we have a certain culture we we are uh, attracted to like-minded people and we like to hang out with them and that's great um, but you can easily get stuck in those things and those things can become more important than they should be and I think that's what we're saying is always just be watchful. For, for where you are and, and who's getting the glory and who's getting the praise and the yeah. honor. You know, where where is yeah. that going? Yeah, that's, that's so good, bro. It's fine for churches you know, and people, members, church members, who feel it in their hearts that they want to respect their man of God by using that. And I know you fully agree with me with this. Yeah, yeah. If they want to, that's, that's fabulous. But when you're coming into an environment and all of a sudden – that becomes more important than Jesus. Yeah. Uh, then you're starting to man worship, and you know, we see the the raw end of that in the places that we minister, where um, it's I almost don't want to mention it on your program, but you know stories of so-called men of God with with titles who get into fistfights with each other over sure. over sheep, and you know really. Wow. So let's use the title when it fits, but. Absolutely. Yeah, we have an for a reason. Yeah, it always, always has to be in service of. And, I mean, Jesus was our ult- ultimate example of what that looks like. Um, I, love, yeah. I love that verse uh, in John 13, 3, where, where it says, And Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things, that he, was, that he came from the Father, that he was going yeah. to the Father, yes. bent down and washed his disciples' feet. Beautiful. So yeah. it's it's that for me is such a great example. We must always remember that. And the, I think the higher we move up in leadership, the more we need to be reminded of that and live from that place. Um, I was having a great chat on Tuesday with Pastor Paul Van Collar from Hope Church. And I asked him, you know, because he, he uses the term life-giving church, which is also a term used by the ARC church guys who plant churches everywhere. They yeah. talk about we have to plant life-giving churches. And I said, what does that look like? And, he's, and he said, when people come, no matter where they come from, no matter what they look like, they need to feel loved. 
And you said the same thing earlier, that love is the key to, 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 to getting people into the kingdom. Absolutely. And you can only give that love if you have received that love and understand that love. But if you're stuck in a <laughs> mindset of how things should be, then we become like Pharisees and we start saying, no, but you can't hang out with those people because they're like that. And you can't come into the church looking like that because we have a dress code. And, <laughs> and then it starts becoming, you know, I, I, I'm reminded again, I think I said this on Tuesday as well, but this, it's just really made an impact on my life. That book from, I think it's um, Philip Yancey who wrote What's So Amazing About Grace. And he, he says in the beginning, he spent time trying to, convert a prostitute and eventually just saying we just please come to church and and she said why would i come to church i already feel bad about myself oh my gosh yeah and 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 i realized wow man this is this is a a thing we have to change do does any does anyone and everyone feel welcome when they walk into our presence or when they walk into our church absolutely heinz you you hit it on the head um, you know, this, we, we love doing religion. We do. It's because we have God natures, by the way. It just manifests if it's not controlled. And <laughs> do we want them to, to feel loved? You know, it's, it's this thing about uh, th- that person came and sat in my chair. I often laugh at people when, when they have <laughs> their chair. And I say to them, what? Your chair? You bought the chair? Seriously? Yeah. What is, is that? Yeah. That's and crazy. So the Bible puts it so plainly, you know, if someone not dressed like you, someone who doesn't smell like you, yeah. someone not wearing the clothes you wear, don't stick them at the back. Um, make them feel comfortable in love. That's the true essence of the church. It's Absolutely. a good catalyst, by the way. It's a good it's a good uh, test for any church to put in. Yeah. How do we welcome people like it? Very good. To, yeah. I, re- I remember that video I played in the beginning. Uh, for people who are only coming in now into this conversation, uh, l- please try and watch later the beginning of this video because we played a little insert of when I visited Ground Level Ministries in Blickisdorp where uh, Peter's church is. And I remember that night when I when I went onto stage, I mean, I'm in this place that I was, you know, in my flesh, I was afraid of entering because there's all these stories about gangs and violence and it's a, it's a tough place to go into and you can feel the spiritual battle yeah. raging in that place so yeah, so tangibly. Um, but I knew I had to be there and, and I, I trusted you and I know that something special is happening in this dark place. And I remember getting on that stage and looking at the, at the people there and God telling me, you're in the presence of royalty. Wow. And I don't oh, know if you remember cool. me saying that. But yes, I, I do. And then I said it. I said it. God is telling me that I'm in the presence of royalty. Do you know why? Because he's the king. And if you are his son and his daughter, then you are a prince and a princess. And therefore, you are royalty by your reborn birthright. And, and oh, that just changed something in me when God showed me that. Because we can easily look at someone who lives in a shack and has tattered clothes and hasn't washed in a week and dismiss them or think less of them. But how does God look at them? And that just, that just completely changed my life. And I think that the more 
the, the, the church, which is the people of God. Let's be honest. It's not a building. It's us. The more, the more we can start looking at people the way God looks at him, the more we can actually be that love to other people. Because we, we, if we look past the outside, like God does, he looks upon the heart of man. Absolutely. And we need to do that as well. And it's, it's difficult because we're, we're almost you know, programmed to, to judge uh, on, on the outer of people. And, and God is saying, cover. no, no, no. You don't know what I've put on that person's life. And you know, there's gold. There's gold there yeah. that has to be discovered. So well, I bless you. I bless you for pre- playing that, that clip in the beginning because as I was sitting watching it, I was looking at the various people's faces and just giving God glory and thanks, looking at those faces there and where God has taken them mm. and how God is using them and how they've grown because it is intimidating and I, and I get it and, and I don't expect everyone to do it. I'm not acting like a martyr, but it's a, it's a special calling. Yeah. You know, when you look at the outside, um, you see these tin shanties, um, and it can be very intimidating. But if I look at what God's done with the people and the level of word, I mean, I preach word in that place. So we, we just, we, we focus on the word, the love is king, and we believe completely in the word. We're a word-based church. And if I look at the level of understanding and where they are in the word, it's just so fabulous, Heinz, and what God is doing through their lives. It's, it's just too beautiful. So thanks for playing that clip, man. No, of course. It's some very good memories. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. I, I remember being so impacted by your testimony of how you got to start Ground Level oh, Ministries wow. in, yeah. in that place. Can, can you please share that testimony of how, how you felt the call and uh, even how, how God told you that you're not the first person he's asked to do this and, yeah. and, and uh, also why you've renamed the place? <laughs> you have remembered everything. <laughs> uh, we, we, I got called back to ministry, you know. Um, we I left the Full Gospel Church. They had financial problems. We were newlyweds and I had started my, my entrepreneurial career. And please, let me just put it out there. Uh, no, nothing negative at all to that organization. They're a great church and they get people saved every single week. But it wasn't for me. God took me out because he had something special for me. Mm. And so give me this, this entrepreneurial flair and business talent. I, I started running businesses and then met Apostle Alan Bag, Dr. Alan in the Bay, started attending his church. After a period, I might add, this ordained pastor, I was ordained in the Full Gospel Church, had then gone out of youth ministry because I started in youth ministry and I threw myself into business and it was all about business for a while. And then God brought me back and I met Apostle Alan and see, this is where my wife heard first from God. Let me give Sonia the credit. She went first and she said to me, man, you've got to, you've got to go. We were looking for a church. And yeah. she said, um, yeah, you've got to go. You've got to come and see this church. Okay. And being in touch with a word-filled, word-based ministry again, God said to me, all right, son, I kept my end of the bargain. Um, I've blessed you in business. Because when I'd left the previous church, I remember crying one day and saying, oh, God, Please take me to 
my real place. I was weeping. I was weeping. It was over a money issue because they didn't have money to pay me. And, you know, yeah, I, was, I was starving and saying, oh, God, are you there? Yeah, and I sure. said, just give me a business. And, and God said, okay, all right. So he did. He made us very successful. Um, after three failures, I started the Skills Resource Group and became really successful. And God said, okay, now it's time for you to come back. So I start, literally started having church in our training center. I used one of the classrooms and I planted a church. Wow. But Matthew Matthew 25 just started coming in front of my eyes. Every time I opened the word, he said, I was hungry and you fed me. You mm. know, and I was naked and you clothed me. And I got this big complex. I said, wow, as a church, what are we doing? Because as you said, some people politely read over some scriptures. Yeah. And I just let me encourage every man of God out there, man. Uh, Matthew 25 is so important. Even the Apostle Paul, after 13 years, when he went up to meet with Peter and the Apostles, and they discussed their theology, and they agreed on theology, and the one thing they said, only let us remember the poor. Sure. And Paul said, which I was very glad to do. Wow. So I was desperate. I said, man, let's go find someone to feed. I've got to fulfill the scripture. And I went to Delft in Cape Town, because my then youth minister, I had a black youth pastor at the time, who was bringing people to the training center still, and we, he said, let's go to Delft. And we linked up with a wonderful Christian business person uh, who started pr providing soup for us. And we first started near the, the youth minister's house. But we had all this really well-made restaurant quality soup. And 10 or 15 people were, were coming to drink soup. And I said, this can't be. Yeah. And he said, Pastor, let me show you something. Uh, it's not far from here. And he took us to what is traditionally known as Blicky Store. And we, we drove in the main gate and I saw the environment and also was a bit intimidated. But we parked the cars. We took out our folding, our little plastic folding table. That was my first pulpit, by the way, a plastic folding table. <laughs> and I turned to the car to get bread out the car. And by the time I looked back, there were 30, 40 little munchkins. Yeah with flora buckies and rama buckies in their hand, some adults, and it wasn't long. We must have had over 100 people there. Yeah. But as I looked, God started speaking to me. And we, we for eight months, we went into the soup kitchen. Take note, that first morning was conveniently right at the main gate, just in case I had to duck out of there. But eventually, we got brave <laughs> enough to move to the middle with yeah. the church now. Sure. And God started telling me, I want you to plant here. Yeah. And you, know, you hear the voice of God, and as some men of God sometimes testify, you say, get behind me, Satan. Let's <laughs> God be God. Yeah, let's <laughs> God be God. But it continued for, gosh, I don't even know how long, Heinz, probably three months. And so we would we would set up, I would preach a, a message, we'd make an altar call, we'd pray for the sick, and then I believe in, you know, don't just dump food on people, but give it in the name of Jesus. Yeah, sure. And after we had made the altar call, then we would, dish and feed, and that particular day, I, I had this feeling again, you need to plant here, and while we were feeding, I took a walk, I left the main group, and I walked down their sort of main road, and I said to God, I'm not saying no, but how do I plant, how do you plant a church here? Yeah. How do I even do this? Sure. You know, oh, it's a good pick, Heinz, and well, I said, I'm from the previous dispensation, I'm an old dispensation white man. Will they even accept me as a pastor? And at that minute, the angels somehow rustled up about 
12 or 15 little guys um, who came, who rushed me and they mobbed me, shouting, Basta, Basta, Basta. <laughs> I just asked God the question. Yeah. And he me as a pastor and these little guys surrounded me like a mother bee, shouting, Pastor. Yeah. And I heard the Lord say, Have you any other questions, son? Sure. And I said, No. Wow. Dad. I said, I'll do it. Yeah. And walking back, walking back to the table, I heard him say, I've asked three other people and they haven't listened. Sure. And I just said, wow. Well, when I get to heaven, I don't want to say, you know, well, not on my shift. Sure. <laughs> and yeah. And Heinz, let me just say this again. Uh, I don't want to be treated like, you know, this, this, this big martyr because every person, no matter where God calls you, whether you called to an affluent place, whether you called to, Wherever he calls you to preach or he calls you to an itinerant ministry, you know, he, the our Lord Jesus is the general of God's armies and he will place people in certain places. He will get, he'll place people in affluent areas. He'll do people to do mission work in far countries. Mm. And one day we're going to be held accountable to what we called for. Yeah. And it's so important um, because there's a grace upon our lives. Uh, since then, there's been major unrest. I mean, in the last 18 months, we had like 39 murders when the violence happened. But sure. I've never felt threatened. Our church continued. Um, yeah. And it carried on. And so one day, we're going to be held accountable to what our personal call is to God. Yeah. Um, the Lord knows. I, um, I don't think I could do what my dad does. Um, there's a special grace on his life for that. Um, yeah. We've got to just do what God calls us to do. There's a grace on your life, bro. For you to do what you do. Um, and it's wonderful. Let's just, you know, God has some special forces. Uh, we, we call ourselves special forces. Uh, <laughs> we, we, go, we go behind the enemy lines. And it wasn't long, exactly what you said. When you saw those people, you said you're in the place of royalty. Mm. God started speaking to me. And this whole thing about Blickystorp and Blick started to yeah. not gel in my spirit. Sure. And so we did. We renamed the place Platinum City. And uh, and PC, and if you go to any of my members, and in fact the people staying around there, they'll tell you what what is this, what does the, these people call this place? And they'll tell you, no, this is Platinum City. Awesome. Because pe people are platinum; they're not black. Yeah, that's so, so yeah, good. That's how we planted. Um, first with a tent, and gosh, we had some some fun tent days until the tent fell apart, and then God just miraculously uh, put this building together and. Um, the building is, you know, gosh, I don't know what it would cost to build now, probably close to two million bucks. Yeah. Um, but there's a special grace on this place. And we've, through God's, just showing God's love, been able to be that catalyst. I think that's what's important. Yeah. In times of violence, we've just been that catalyst. Sure. And have planted out from there, Hans. Yeah, that's the story. So good. So you have this ministry in, in the middle of where a lot of, you know, people from the similar background as us would not dare to go. They'll be just too afraid. Um, and then you have a, a radio a radio station in series and that you're broadcasting the gospel over the airwaves. Tell us a bit more about how that happened and, and what is what is the, the heart and the focus of WRFM? Oh, yeah, with pleasure. Um, in, my, in my corporate career, uh, I, was, I had an employee whose wife used to work for CBC One Africa, a wonderful organization, Sir Bob Edmondson from uh, United Kingdom, 
uh, planted these nine radio stations around the, the planet. And anyway, CBC were having this program on business ethics, Christian ethics in business. And one of my employee's wife works for CBC, and I think she still does, if I'm not mistaken. And so he walked into my office one day and said, they're having this show on Christian ethics in business. And I said, awesome, you know, I can give you some good notes on that. He said, no, not me. He said, I put you forward. So I went and did the show with Zina Lee, who became my, my co-host, or she was the main host at the time. I didn't did this one program on Christian ethics in business, and they asked me to stay on. So I volunteered for, I think it was three years. We did live radio shortwave into Africa Okay. Um, every Sunday afternoon. So after church, I quickly have lunch. We go from two to five. And then they restructured the whole CBC um, organization, and we became a content producer. Okay. And then not long after that, so we were producing content to about 160 radio stations in Africa. Wow. And then Sir Bob changed the whole thing, and they started doing video shoots for, for YouTube. And so they, they stopped the whole radio um, broadcast and, and producing locally which is not far from Tiger Valley in Belleville. And Zena Lee, my, my host, called me to have this meeting with me to tell me, oh, Pete, there's no more radio. And she was in tears. And I said, Zena, don't worry, God's got a plan. Mm. Uh, and I'm talking to her. And so as I went out the gates of CB1 Africa, I'm the kind of person, and I think you are too, I talk aloud to the Lord. Sometimes I just speak out loud, you know. Oh, yeah. And so the, the gate closed behind me, and I said out loud, I said, Okay, Lord, what was that all about? Because I know you don't do anything for nothing. <laughs> and God said, well, wait and see. Yeah. And then the pastor that I've gotten to know via the, the Sirius Pine Forest, I was chairman there for a while, and this pastor in Sirius phoned me and said, oh, I've got a radio license and we started, uh, we know that you're a business person and we know that you've got radio experience. Um, can you come help us with both? Wow. So I went up to help him, you know, and started the training I'd received, I received really good training at CB1 Africa. Um, British radio, as you as you know, is, is always the best. Top notch. Uh. Yeah, top notch. And so I started training their jocks for them and uh, put on my business shoes and started phoning all my business contacts to try and get advertising for them. Sure. And then not long after, he came, my my PA, my secretary here in Belleville, one day said, oh, um, so-and-so is here to come and see you. And I said, oh, okay, send him in. And so this pastor walked in and he said, uh, my wife and myself have heard from the Lord and we decided we're going back to Pretoria. I said, what? He said, no, we're going back to Pretoria and we've just decided you're the new chairman of the radio station. <laughs> <laughs> I did what you did. I, I, I said, dude, you can't do that. <laughs> he said, I have. I said, but what about the staff? Yeah. We had this, I have this beautiful young team and you've met them. Yeah. Uh, fabulous group of young people who were, at that point, they were unsalaried. They didn't have, not, you know, not even a stipend. They were sure. donating their time, wow. working unpaid. And he said, no, I've really spoken to them, and, and you're the new chairperson, and Pastor Andy Minar is going to become the new station manager. My goodness. Literally. And before, I said, well, let me call my wife quickly. You know, Sonia's office was next door at the time, and she came in, and we tried to convince him to stay and, and maybe – just in the help assistant, and he said, No, we've made up a mind. And literally, he, he left um, and said, Yes, a radio station. And God said, I told you it wouldn't be for nothing. <laughs> and so, wow, we, we, had to, we had to throw ourselves into it. 
and it's a wonderful story, Hans, because you know how difficult media can be. Yeah. WRFM, that's the one part of it just keeps growing from strength to strength. Our signal reaches all down the West Coast. So we reach cool. Whatever the Cape Town radio stations don't reach, well, we reach from there on. So good. And our heart is so, is so simple, Hans. Our heart is to connect. We, we're there to be real, uh, not to, to walk around you know, and Bible punch. We want to be real, want to be relevant. And that's our motto. You know, connect, transform, and take you higher. That's so good. We just want to do real programming, and you've been on some of that programming. Yeah. We talk about real issues. You know, my Wednesday night show is called Absolute Life, based on John 10, 10. But the motto of that is, let's challenge the challenges that challenge us. And so we deal with real life things. I've dealt, I've done leadership training on, on the radio course, leadership training. We've done sales training. We do business training. And we help guys with real issues and then bring the gospel into it. So good. I love, I love how, your, how your gift and the, everything that God has led you to do, the training and your gift has made a way for the yeah. ultimate call in your life. And I think that's a great example um, I've also looked at certain seasons in my life and went, why did I go through that? You know, why did, why did, why did that need to happen? Like, did I really have to go through that? And then at some point, the, the, you start connecting the dots and like, ah, okay, if I didn't yeah, do that, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be ready yeah. for this. And it's almost like, I mean, for me, it's on, on, a, on a small scale, it's been this whole lockdown thing. Like, I've always been interested in technology and video and, you know, being on top of what's new and what's happening. And when this whole thing happened and I couldn't go out and do shows anymore, I I had to connect a few dots and say, yeah. okay, wow, now I can I can reach people, maybe even people I wouldn't have reached. And and that's what's what's so amazing about radio as well. I mean, you guys have had such amazing testimonies of lives being touched that you don't even know about. And, and for every and you guys have a great stat like for every sms you get there's actually a thousand people listening or something like yeah. that yeah yeah it's it's a ratio depending on, on where you are compared to the, the big stations like for argument's sake a kfm in, in cape town who have over a million listeners yeah we've gone from nowhere so we're somewhere between 80 to 100 thousand um but it's our footprint that we're most excited about because yes. we reach people they don't normally get reached. And it's a principle I was taught at CV1 Africa. They, they had figured out by their research that one response, I remember we used to do altar calls, myself and Zena, on a Sunday afternoon on radio, and she would say to me, every person, we'd ask them, so if you've just given your heart to Jesus, just give us a text, you know, send, your, send a mm. WhatsApp. Mm. And for everyone they got, they knew that that meant there were a thousand people that had probably thought of doing it or had done it. Sure. And so we scale it down for us um, and so we know for every WhatsApp or SMS we get, there's probably somebody to three to four hundred people that are doing exactly the same or have thought about it. I mean, let me question you, Heinz. How many times have you been in your car and a radio DJ has said, send us a WhatsApp? Yeah. And you kind of consider it, but you just know maybe the robot got went green instead of red. Or and I'm driving and I can't send a WhatsApp. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. these are the kind of stats that filter down. Okay. But it's been a beautiful story. We're preaching the gospel 24-7, I believe, in a relevant way. Yeah. Uh, Unchristianized. We're using normal language. Love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. How can people listen if they're not in the catchment area? It's very easy. Um, we're on iTunes now, too, so you can go to the iTunes store. And oh, cool. Pick up the RFM there if you have an Apple machine. 
or um, you can go to Simple Radio and download Simple Radio and look for WRFM on there. The reason why I'm giving you the apps is because it's a much easier route to go to. Yeah. Or if you're on computer, just go to www.wrfm.co.za and there's just click one button. There's a listen live button. Great. And you'll have WRFM all over the world. And awesome. it's amazing, in fact, how our internet listenership is growing. That's amazing. All over the world. Yeah. That link awesome. is in this post. So you can just click on that and go straight there and make sure you catch up on all those shows. And, and they do what's great about the, the, the station is they do Afrikaans and English. Uh, so there's, there's, it's a, it reaches a whole bunch of people yeah. in demographics. So that's really amazing. Absolutely, uh, bro. I'm loving this chat, but we, we unfortunately have to start closing up. But there's two yeah. more important things I, I want to discuss with you, the, because I know what your heart is. You, you are serving locally, but you've got a, a national, maybe even an international heart, and I, I love that about you. Um, what is? I want to split it in two. What is your message to South Africa, the people of South Africa, number one? And number two, what is your message to the church of South Africa? Would they be different? Would they be the same? Um, and what, what would those messages be? They're similar. I believe there's some, there's some crossover, but they're not, they're not exactly the same. To South Africans, I want to say, number one, pray. Mm. Pray. Sure. To Second Chronicles 7.14 remains relevant. And a lot of theologians would argue that it may be taken out of context, but it's not. Pray because we need to rebuild ourselves spiritually. Yes. Um, you know, there's not only a pandemic out there in the physical, but there's a pandemic in the spiritual. There's a spiritual pandemic out there. Yeah. If you look at hatred, you know, the, the Apostle Paul said it so eloquently to Timothy. If you go and look at what Paul said to Timothy, it's like reading the front page of any newspaper in South Africa at the moment. Mm. Now, lovers of self, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, they're going to be, there'll be hatred, there'll be violence, and, and, and. Sure. Um, and I'm saying, at the moment, there's a lot of racial pressure raising its head, and I'm being very careful to choose my words carefully here, because I don't really don't want to offend anyone. Um, and it almost looks like the world is having... A second wave, just like a pandemic, you know, has a first wave and a second wave. Yeah. They're having the second wave hit them, where South Africans, we've kind of come through that. We, we've had that, we birthed the new South Africa. So I think I'm saying to South Africans, let's not regress. Yeah. Let's go forward. If you're Christian, pray. And let's reach out, let's keep on growing this country together, the church being the main catalyst of love. Mm. Um, and let's be that example that that we all claimed we were. I mean, in 94, when Madiba did the most incredibly beautiful things about coming out you know, with this whole spirit of forgiveness, the world looked at us. South Africa was the world's darling at the time. Yeah. And I'm saying South Africa, although you're a little, you're really small, don't despise small things. God specializes in small things. Um, I believe we can be an example in showing the world the way forward. So let's be that example. So good. Yeah, and then to the church. Uh, I want to go to Isaiah 58 on this one. It's one of the things that God spoke to me so clearly about a year into our call to plant in Platinum City, where he speaks about the religious. I'm going to paraphrase 58. He says, you think you're religious, you think you're pleasing me, and you, you act like you're seeking me, you offer me sacrifices. Mm. 
Um, but while you go on these so-called fasts, you bicker and you fight. And he actually says it. And you get into fists with each other. And he asks, yeah. is this really the fast that I want? Do yeah. you think this is pleasing me? Sure. Is, is the fast that I want not to go and feed the hungry, clothe the naked? Wow. And is that not the fast that I want? Now, although we have a call to mission work, I want to bring in the spiritual side because we know that whatever manifests in the physical has happened in the spiritual already. Yeah. So I want to say to the church of Jesus Christ right now and to men of God, our call, let us not, we've spoken about it, we covered a lot of it in this interview. Our call is to go and to feed them, feed them the word. Yeah. Let's go give them, let's go preach the true unadulterated word of God. Let's go clothe them with garments of righteousness. Sure. Let's not forget that we're there to get them saved. Beautiful. And no matter what our church programs are, let's not forget the heart of God and to show the love of God. And to men and women of God, lead your church in this way. Uh, empower your church. Know that they, God, the, the corporate anointing has been spoken about for so long, Heinz. And if if we don't usher it in, then who? Yeah. It's about giving our church license, empowering them to preach and being empowered with the Holy Spirit. And I believe, well, the time is now. I've just said you know, there's a spiritual pandemic at the moment. And that pandemic, by the way, it's, it's transferable rate is much higher than COVID. <laughs> the rate of transfer is so fast. That's good. It's the pandemic of sin. Sure. And, you know, and the problem with the pandemic of sin, Heinz, is some people become asymptomatic. They have sin, but they don't show any signs until later on when it manifests, and it manifests in all in hatred and violence and unlove. And it's wow, bro, that's so good. Sure. Uh, twenty twenty was going to go down as a year that people will never forget, Heinz. Yeah. It's going to go down in future history books if the Lord tarries. Our grandkids are going to learn about 2020 when the whole world was closed down. Yeah. You and I spoke about it some time ago. The first Passover since the very first Passover, the only Passover where God has t told Israel through their leader, stay indoors that the plague can pass over. Yeah. And that's the first one since the first one. Wow. It's, it's a year and it's time for the church to be real. I believe the sifting has really started. If yeah. I can just say one last thing, Heinz. The Please. very God who told us, you, you spoke about being equally yoked early on about our, us, me and you and our wives. The very God that said that he will be not unequally yoked. Do you think ever that Jesus would be unequally yoked? Never. The bride he's coming for is going to be a bride that is unified. Yeah. And Satan is trying to uh, activate this himself, the whole one world church, the one world organization. That's just Satan trying to copy what God is going to do. Yeah. But it's time for that true bride, the true bride who love each other no matter what, who who speak positive about other churches. I'm not asking us all to be joined the same denomination, don't get me wrong, but to not criticize and to love each other and to empower each other and to be and to participate in the gospel with each other. Well, now is the time. 2020 is the time for the church to be real. So good. My message, bro. How do we do that practically, do you think, uh, especially across racial boundaries in our nation? Jesus made a completely profound statement at one time. He said, oh, uh, they, do you know that this guy is baptizing and that guy is doing that? He said, well, if they're not against us, they're for us. Mm. 
Um, we've got to be careful of our own dialogue and just be careful of what we say. Um, we need to be shock absorbers, spiritual shock absorbers. You know, very often what believers do is when a Christian falls, and I preach this quite often, we, instead of being spiritual paramedics, we, we go join the devil, you know. One of our Christian brothers and sisters has fallen, and the devil's given them a hard time. We go help the devil. We kick them to death with our mouth, you know. We go, wow. We go and heap more coals. That's so good. And, and God's telling us, no, be a spiritual shock absorber. If you hear people speaking negatively about a particular congregation or church or organization, you know, just go by their fruit. Are they getting people saved? Yeah. Be that shock absorber and, and take it and bury it. Mm. Don't carry the wave. And let's just keep on sharing love with each other and pray for each other. Sure. You know, let's build each other in prayer. Man, if you're getting people saved, Hans, I don't, I don't care who, who that man of God is right now. If you're watching this and you're getting people saved and you're out there doing things for the ministry, man, I want to tell you, we love you and we're praying for you and you are my brother and sister in Christ. That's so it. good. I love it. On that note, will you? I think uh, we've, we've covered so much. This has been so powerful and amazing. Will you please... I normally I normally ask you to pray for everyone listening, but I I, I actually want to ask you to do a specific prayer for for leaders, uh, yeah, spiritual leaders, business leaders, whatever they may be involved in, uh, because that's really your heart is raising up leaders. So would Indeed. you do a special prayer for the leaders listening, and uh, and I I will end off with a prayer for for the other people and for you as well. Of course, bless you. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Father God, I just lift you up. I lift up Jesus right now. We thank you that you're such an amazing God, an awful, awesome, awesome Savior. And we make you king. We make you king of this conversation. We submit ourselves completely to you. Mm -hmm. Yes, Lord. Lord Jesus, you came and you spent time raising leaders. You didn't choose graduate students, but you took fishermen, you mm -hmm. took tax collectors. Mm -hmm. And Father, I pray for those people right now who have a leadership call in your kingdom upon their hearts. I speak life over their leadership lives. Father, I speak boldness. I speak wisdom into their lives right now yes. in the name of Jesus. Amen. I thank you, Father, that the word leads them and guide them. Mm. And Father, I pray that they bring forth much fruit for your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, for those that are in any doubt, that are doubting that they are leaders, mm. I pray right now for a, a confirmation, a complete confirmation by your spirit in their hearts yes, Lord. of their calling. Reaffirm those, Lord, that have had a tough time in their calling and are thinking of giving up. Father, re-energize them now. We put our covering of love upon them mm. and we say to them in the spirit, don't give up. Yes. God is with you. Your calling is, is still true and relevant. Mm. And the Savior is with you. Yes. As much as you've told people in their spiritual lives, God will never leave you or forsake you. I declare right now, God has not left your calling. He has not forsaken your calling. Yes. Your calling is alive. And I call it back to life now in the name Amen. of Jesus. Yes. Have life. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I thank you for this precious time in your presence and with all our friends who have dialed in. I thank you for, for Peter, for his wife, their marriage, for their family. I thank you for their business, their radio station, 
in their ministry. Thank you, Father, that you've raised them up for a time such as this with amazing platforms that are reaching people in so many different spheres of life. Thank you for his heart, for teaching, for leaders. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will take them from glory to glory and strength to strength in everything that they are busy with. Lord, I, I pray a uh, like a spiritual Midas touch over their lives, that whatever they touch in the spirit will will turn to gold, Lord. It will the lives of the people they touch, the the the, the ministry they have, the buildings they have, the, the the radio station, all of that, Lord, will be will be blessed supernaturally and go from strength to thank strength. You, I thank you, Father, that you will bring your hedge of protection around them in a, in, a, in, like, in a way like never before. Your wall of fire will protect them. Your angels will protect them. We speak the, the blood of Christ over them. And I thank, thank you, you that they can pick up every day the armor of God and know that they are covered from head to toe and that they can walk into battle, uh, so, so to speak, and know that, the, that you are with them. I thank you for this family. I thank you for their, their leaders under them. Pray that they will just go from strength to strength as well. And then we will see more lives impacted. Lord, we also just stand right now in the gap for, for uh, Mitchell's Plain, Kaya Licha, all yes, these Lord. areas, Delft, um, every part of the, the, the areas that are seen as townships and seen as, as dangerous yeah. and where there are right now riots happening. Lord, we just stand together in faith with everyone that is listening, that stands in agreement. Lord, your word says where two or more agree on a matter, it will be so. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we agree that that this violence will end right now. And Lord, the the cause of that violence, the spirit behind it will be shut up and stopped right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus. But Lord, we also know that behind that is people that are really struggling, that are crying out for help and that have gotten frustrated. So Lord, we call for righteousness and for justice to come. And and, and that you will call the right people and they will be obedient to do the work of ministry needed to bring the shift in that place. Lord, yes, we Lord. pray for an end of corruption. We pray for righteous yes, leaders to, to come yes, to the aid of those who have elected them. And we pray yes, for a shift of, in the atmosphere over those places right now in Jesus' name. Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank, Thank you, Father. You receive what we pray for. Amen. 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 My brother, I love you. I respect no, I you. Too. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. Um, and then I want to thank everybody who who logged on today for joining us. Uh, let's yeah. give a let's give a big shout out and a big thank you to to Peter. Uh, yeah. Please go follow the ministry on Facebook. Uh, click on those links. Listen to the station. And uh, he's also got an amazing uh, YouTube channel where he does real faith, real action uh, and great messages you can go follow the links are all in this post so please go click on them and get involved thank you for everyone who joined us today i see your messages uh thank you mary thank you mariska thank you pamela eugene you guys thank you for for your messages really appreciate you guys uh peter hang on there for a moment i'm gonna just greet everybody here yeah guys that's been amazing. How powerful and anointing was that? Uh, anointed was that? I was so cool. Thank you for joining us and being part of this. I really appreciate it. Uh, please join us next week. We're probably not going to have a session on Tuesday. I'm taking a few days out. But on Thursday, we're going to be back with Erin Giorgio. She's the um, 
editor and chief of the Joy magazine and Jeugdtijdskrif. And uh, she's an amazing lady of God. She's got some awesome stories. So come and join us for that. And, uh, and please go back and listen to all the messages we've had already. And if you can't watch them, you can check them out on podcasts, any podcast platform you, uh, you have available to you, Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever. They're on all of them. Uh, go check them out and listen to them as you drive. We've really had some great guests with great stories. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. And remember that God's love can unlock anything in your life. And he loves you so much. Bye-bye.